If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, raise your hand real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's go to two openings. Let's go to uh, Romans, the first chapter, and then also uh, Luke, the fourth chapter, Romans 1 and Luke 4. Uh, For some weeks now, we've been on a series we're calling Good News for the Poor. Is there good news for the poor, to the poor? Well, let's read in, in Romans, the first chapter, and the 15th verse, Romans 1, 15. He said, for as much as in me is, I am ready to preach. I've felt like that before. I am ready to preach the gospel. Not just anything, but to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Now, the gospel, that word gospel means good tidings, good message. A lot of times you'll hear good news. The uh, scripture actually says this, good tidings of good things. So it's the good message about good things. And it's, it's not just a good message. It's the gospel of Jesus, the Christ. So it's the good news about the good things that the Christ, the Master, has done for me, for you, for us all. And it is the best news you ever heard. Now the next verse, he says this, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is, it the gospel is, the power of God. Said out loud, the gospel is, the, gospel is the, power the power of God. Now it doesn't just talk about the power of God. It is the power of God that gets you to salvation. Unto salvation. Anybody know that you know that you're born again in here, that your name's in the Lamb's book of life, that if you died right now, you'd go to be with Jesus. You know how you got to this place? You heard the gospel, didn't you? If you had never heard the gospel and never believed it and received it, you would not be saved. But the gospel was to you and is still to anybody and everybody The power of God unto salvation. Now the word salvation is a big word. And when you say, if you look it up in the definitions of the Greek and other things, it's a big word. It does mean saved. It also means delivered. It means healed. It means kept. All kind of protected. It means, when you say I'm saved, saved from what? It's kind of like when Moses uh, was talking to God at the burning bush and he said, tell them, I am has sent you. You am. You, you am what? He am too much to say in one sentence. Just say, I am. Because I am. 
the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, everything in between. Creator, protector, sustainer, nourisher, healer, deliverer, provider. He's everything. I am. I am. And the gospel is about how Jesus made everything he is available to us and broke down the wall of partition and judgment for sin that was between us and God and tore down that that wall. The curtain was ripped asunder that kept people out of the Holy of Holies. And now we can boldly enter in and be one in fellowship with him. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Is that not the best news that you ever heard? Well, look in the fourth chapter of Luke. Luke chapter 4 and 18. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? To preach preach what? The The gospel to the poor. Now, the title of the series is The Good News to the Poor, for the Poor. And so, specifically, he says, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What is the good news to the poor? Now, a lot of folks read that, and they'll think, well, you can be saved. But no, that's good news to the lost. Read the rest of the passage and you'll see what I'm talking about. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. What's good news to the brokenhearted? You can be saved? No. You can be healed. To preach deliverance to the captives. What's good news to the captives? Not you can be born again. You can be delivered. And recovering of sight to the blind. Good news to the blind? You can get your sight. And what's good news to those that are bruised in bondage, shackles and chains? You can be set at liberty. What's good news to the poor? It would have to do with them being poor. Well, if you're down, good news is you can come up. If you're lost, good news is you can be saved. If you're sick, good news is you can be healed. And if you're broke, good news. You don't have to stay broke. Now, Paul said by the Spirit, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And specifically here, why would he need to say I'm not ashamed? I mean, if there was never any pressure to be ashamed, if there were never anybody trying to shame you for believing something, then you wouldn't have to say, I'm not going to be ashamed and resist it. Well, there are any number of people. I heard a guy just recently uh, on a form of media, and he was talking about there is no God. And he was trying to, to shame folks like me that we're just ignorant, you know, uh, poor, weak folk that need the crutch of religion. Well, he's trying to shame us that we are believing something that's hokey and, and unreal, and, and there is no God, he kept saying. There is no God. Well, you know, he was belligerent, but it made you feel sorry for him because you know he's empty. He is an empty shell. If he doesn't believe that there's anything more than this and he's staring death in the face in a short time, I'm so glad I know 
that ain't so. There is a God. He is real. He's a good God. And the way we have to him and him to us is the one and only way, Jesus. And it's through the good news about what he has done that all of this is available to us. Now, Jesus did not redeem us partially. He procured for us a complete redemption. Do you believe it, friends? He did not just go to the cross in spirit. And if that was all that was needed for him to spiritually bear our sins, he certainly wouldn't have had to go to the whipping post. Right? What was that for? And the the crown of thorns and the mocking and all this other. He completed a full redemption in that he offered himself spirit, soul, mind, body. That means you've been redeemed. Spirit, soul, mind, body. Do you believe it? Now, sometimes people, we've had people write us uh, ugly letters. And one guy said this. He said, now we don't preach all that healing stuff like you do and, and all that prosperity stuff. And they say it with disdain. You know, how I many know it's, it's dumb to be against prosperity? That's being against paying your bills and doing things for your kids. It's just dumb. It's like being against healing. Who don't want to be healed? Huh? And then people are hypocritical. They'll say, I don't believe in that healing. And then they'll go to every doctor and they'll use every procedure. That's hypocritical. If you don't believe it's God's will for you to be healed, then don't go to the doctor and try to get out of the will of God. But we got no problem with doctors. They believe in the same thing. They're fighting disease. Right? We thank God for good doctors. But let's be consistent. If you say you don't believe in something, well, be consistent. No, thank God, the good news is you've been redeemed. Somebody say redeemed. You've been redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Now the word redeemed literally means to buy, to buy, to buy back. It includes the idea of a ransom and a release. Did you need to be bought? Did you need to be bought back? Did you need to be ransomed so you could be released? Well, see, if that's true, then you were sold into servitude. Servitude to sin servitude to a cruel master, the devil himself. Now this, this we, we've heard some of these things about redemption. We sing songs and the word ransom is in it and this and that and the blood, but it's, it's not as real to us as it needs to be. You've been redeemed, which means you were sold and didn't own yourself and didn't have control you were held captive you were held somebody else's property and the Lord has bought you back he has redeemed you 
And without going into all the scriptures in the time, the Bible, the psalmist said that the, no man can ransom a soul. The, that the price ceases forever. That means it's just too high, too costly. There is not enough gold, silver, platinum, whatever in the universe to pay for one soul. There was only one thing. Anybody remember Peter? What Peter said? You ought to turn there. Go to First Peter. Tells you how you were redeemed. First Peter 1, 18. First Peter 1, 18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, much less paper money that's supposed to be based on silver and gold. Ain't enough of it in the world to pay for you. Now, you know what that tells you? That you're worth more than a million dollars. You're worth more than a billion dollars. You're worth more than a trillion dollars. Now you know, you, you got folks shooting each other in the street for twenty dollars. What darkness to not realize the value of another human being. But the Lord tells us. You are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation or way of life received by tradition from your fathers. Verse 19, but, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of the lamb. Precious. What does that mean? Precious, expensive, costly, valuable. There was something in the universe worth more than all of our souls put together. It was the blood of the Lamb, which is the blood of God, because he had no earthly father. That blood was and is valuable enough to buy us, all of us. And he shed every drop. He paid every bit of his blood, and he bought us. That's how precious we are to him. That he would pay that for us. And so the next time the devil brings some kind of stupid thought to your mind. About how worthless you are. You cut him off in mid-sentence. And you say if I'm so worthless. Why did God pay so much to get me? You are the apple of his eye. You are the most precious to him. His son, his only son at that time, was the most valuable, but he gave him, exchanged him for us, and he redeemed us. In the exchange of giving him, he got us. We are what he got for the biggest price God ever paid for anything or ever will pay. As far as I know. God the Almighty. Creator of heaven and earth. The universe. Paid the biggest price he ever paid for anything. And what did he get? You. He got you. And he's happy about it. He thinks it's a good deal. 
<laughs> and you should too. <laughs> Say it out loud. I am, I am very, precious very precious in his eyes. In his eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does he love you? Yes. Does he value you? Yes. Far above every other natural thing. You know, the uh, science, falsely so-called, true science agrees with God. False science tries to eliminate God. And there are those that say, you know, it's just this amazing coincidence that this planet had the perfect atmosphere and was just the right distance from the sun, not too close, not too far away, and had the right gravity and everything for us insignificant beings to be on it is just going no no he made it for us we're why the whole thing is here i know people don't like that and they think that's arrogance because they think we're just a highly evolved animal but they're wrong i said they're wrong the bible's right they're wrong one day they'll find out that they're wrong could be too late for them I'm so glad. I've heard the truth and I, and I believe the truth. Are you glad you believe the truth? We heard the good news. And we believed the good news. And we're not ashamed. Folk can holler. They can say what they want to. They can holler about this and holler about that. And they can try to shame us. But we won't be shamed. I said we won't be shamed. Because it's right. And they need to join us. Instead of fight us. So they can be saved. Because this life is brief. It's passing. You're here. You're gone. And uh, you do not want to go off into eternity without God. Without receiving Jesus. It's just such a terrible shame. Because he's already paid the price. For everybody. Even the ones that don't receive it. He paid the price. Uh, go with me to the book of Psalms please. Psalm 103, verse 1. When we're talking about the gospel to the poor, like I had said, you know, uh, some people have said to me, we don't, we don't uh, preach all that healing, we don't preach all that prosperity like you do, we just preach the gospel. And yet a few weeks ago in our study, we went over to Acts 14 and we saw that in that place, Paul preached the gospel and that a man there, a lame from his mother's womb who never had walked, uh, he got faith to be healed from hearing the gospel. Now, a lot of people, what they're, they're critiquing us about it, but the gospel they preach, people can get faith to be born again, but they never get faith to be healed from hearing what they call the full gospel. And yet, don't you see, if we preached the same gospel Paul preached, people would get faith to be healed too. And not only would they get faith to be healed, they would get faith to be delivered. The poor would get faith to be prospered. Hmm? Why? Because he took our place, spirit, soul, mind, body. And this provides for us a multiplicity of benefits. To hear some people preach, you'd think there is one benefit of believing the gospel, and that is that you're saved and you miss hell. Thank God for that benefit, 
But it is not the only benefit. It is one of many. Do you believe this, friends? The psalmist is talking about this. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There's an S there. All means more than one or two. All. How many of you are just pointing to two or three things? You don't usually say all these things. We got two. All these benefits means there, like I said, there's a multiplicity. There are numerous benefits. Benefit number one. He forgives. A-L-L. Don't you like that? All, all your iniquities. Now church going people from north to south around the world believe that. Oh man, now shout with you. Yes, he forgives all your iniquities, but there's not even a period there. He just paused and took a breath and he said, number two benefit. He heals all your diseases. And three quarters of the church world goes, uh, uh, uh. Well, I know the Lord could if he wanted to, but you know, you just never know what God's going to do. And we just don't know his will. Well, why didn't you say that about the first benefit? See, it's unbelief. It's church tradition that has made of none effect the word of God. Is part A of verse 3 true? Is part B just as true as part A? Why wouldn't it be? He didn't just go to the cross in spirit. Why was he tied to the whipping post? Why did he let them beat him if he's taking care of our sins on the cross? Why go through this? Why endure this? The Bible tells you he took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains and by his stripes we are healed. One of the benefits. Say it out loud. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. Do you believe the last part of that verse as much as the first part? Do you now? Say it again. He heals all my diseases. He forgives all my iniquities. All. Is there a sin he won't forgive you of? This is, well, what about... The unforgivable sin. What about the sin unto death? Most folk that talk about it don't even know what they're talking about. But if you read Hebrews, you'll find it's not a matter that he wouldn't forgive it. It's a matter that if you do that, you won't ask for forgiveness. Nobody can get you to repent. And that's why you can't give forgiveness because you won't repent. There are people in the institutions that are, you know, beating their head against the wall, lost their mind and say, Think, well, I've committed the unpardonable sin. There's no salvation from me. Because they believe lies. Because the devil's confused them. It's real simple. Some people, I think maybe I've done that. No, it's real simple. Do you want to be right with God? Are you willing to repent and get right with God? Then you have not committed that sin. Simple. Easy. Right? 
Because if you had, you wouldn't be in church. And if we came to you and we pled with you, please get right with God. You'd cuss us out and tell us no. Are you with me? No. But if you ask him to forgive you, there is no sin that he will not forgive you for. He will he forgives all your iniquities, and by the same token, how many diseases would he heal for you? How many? How many? If you believe one, why don't you believe the other? A L L A L L. I know when I was in Bible school, uh, acquaintance of mine, he was very studious, and he said he was, you know, he kept saying this word all, 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 and so he decided he'd really do a study on it. So he studied it in the Hebrew, he studied it in the Chaldean, he studied it in the Aramaic, he studied it in the Greek and the English roots, and he went on and on and on about this word and that word, and he said what he concluded is that this word all from the Hebrew and or the Greek or Chaldean, what it really meant was um, all. <laughs> <laughs> How many believe all means all? all. Everything included, nothing excluded. A-L-L, all. Now let's keep going. There's more benefits. Keep going. Verse 4. Benefit number 3. He redeems your life from destruction. You can be gone, messed up soul and he'll swoop in and pick you up and pay your ransom and pay your bill and get you out of jail and get you out of debt and get you out of danger come on do you believe it and he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies is that a benefit what a benefit and verse 5 he satisfies your mouth with good things good things good things Thanks. Somebody say thanks. Thanks. People say, well, we ought not talk about things. The Bible talks a great deal about things. You know, people say, well, we may not need them. The Bible says otherwise. You remember Matthew 6, among other places, said, uh, after all these things, talking about what you eat and what you're going to wear and place, things like what you go, where you're going to live and We'd say today what you're going to drive and all that kind of stuff. After all these things do the Gentiles seek after. He said, but your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. Well, we may not need them. The Bible said God knows you do. If God knows you need them, you must need them. Things. Things. People say, well, you may not need those things. You just need to point to the verse and say, God said, I need them. God said, I need all these things. I got people staring at me blankly. Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 32. He said, after all these things. Somebody say, things, things, things. And there is no debate. There's no question. He's talking about material things, finances, food, clothes, shelter, you know that. Read the rest of the previous part of the chapter. The Gentiles are seeking. For your heavenly Father. Read it out loud, everybody. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. He knows you have need of all these things. God knows you need them. God knows you need them. 
Well, you may not need all that. God knows I need them. So you stay out of it. God knows I need all these things. And verse 33, the next verse is the key to getting all of them. Do what? Don't have things on the brain. Don't think and talk about the stuff and the cars and the houses and the clothes all day long. Seek first the kingdom of God, his business, his things, and his righteousness, and all these things that God knows you need shall be added to you. I believe somebody got some revelation right here. Right here on this. Well, we may not need it. You heard some unbelieving preachers say this. That's not a scripture. The scripture says God knows you need them. Now what you going to believe? We may not need it or God knows you need it. One of them's an unbelieving tradition. One of them's Jesus talking. You still got Psalm 103? Benefit number one. Help me out. Forgives all your iniquity. Benefit number two. Heals all your disease. This ought to make you happy. What's good news to the sinner? He forgives all your sins. What's good news to the sick? He heals all your diseases. Now there's some more good news. Is that all the benefits? All his benefits? That's just two. All implies a number. Verse 4, he redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with love and kindness and tender mercy. Mercy is when you've messed up. If you've done everything right, you can get by on justice. You need mercy when if you get what's coming to you, you're in trouble. And people say, well, you know, you reap what you sow. You've made your bed hard and now you've got to lay in it. Not if somebody else lays in it for you. (laughs) Uh, I've sown sin and the wages of sin is death, eternal death. But I ain't going to hell and I'm not paying for it. You know why? Somebody else took my place and ransomed me, redeemed me. Well, that's true with all sin. Maybe you did mess up. And yeah, if you don't repent and you don't get right, then you will reap it and you will pay for it. Oh, but if you're smart, if you're smart, you'll hit your knees. You'll put your nose in the carpet and go, oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me for being stupid. Forgive me for doing all that. I ask you to forgive me and have mercy on me. Please have mercy on me. Mercy means you don't get the judgment you deserve. Mercy means you do get the blessings you don't deserve. Anybody in here besides me like mercy? Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. Somebody say mercy on me. Mercy on me. Maybe that's where mercy me came from. I don't know. Mercy me. Yeah, mercy for me. Mercy on me. (laughs) It'd be a real good one. To just delete this phrase, shame on you. 
You ain't got no business saying that to anybody right. ever. Right. Just toss that out like cuss words. Right. And how about saying mercy <laughs> on you yeah. and on me too. Right. <laughs> mercy me and mercy you. <laughs> mercy for me and mercy for you. Shame on nobody. He took our shame. Amen. He took our judgment. Can you say glory to God? Man, I'm glad I came today. I'd have preached this just to myself. Whew. Keep reading. Psalm 103. What's the next benefit? He satisfies your mouth with what? Good what? Things. Not bad things. Not broke things. Not junk things. Bible said if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good stuff. Good. Top notch, best of the land. Let me tell you a little secret about believing God. Anytime you need something, I don't care if it's a, a house, a piece of clothes, a lawnmower, whatever it is, go to the top first. Find out what is the very best, regardless of price or availability, what is the very best for your situation. And then find out where your faith is. But don't start at the bottom. Don't go try to find the cheapest thing. Go try to find out what is the very best thing to take care of this job for our situation. Try to find that out. And then see where your faith is. And the Lord, and you, if you can't start there, you might start somewhere and then step up to there. Before it's over with. But don't start at the bottom. I mean if you, if, if you aim for the very top. And you're two rungs below. You're still at a high place. Right. <laughs> but if you aim for the bottom. And get all of it. You never got off the ground. He does what? He satisfies your mouth. With good things. So that your youth. Is renewed. Like the eagles. Now. Stress, anguish, grief, sorrow, worry, fear, anxiety will age you prematurely. No question about it. It'll make you old before your time. And it ages you not just externally, but the reason things start showing up externally is because things are aging internally. But here's some good news. You get free from all the pressures of all the debts and not having enough and lack and struggle and the arguments that people have as a result of it. And you get all your sins and iniquities forgiven and all your diseases are healed and the Lord fills your life with good things. This works toward reversing the aging process. Where the other expedites the aging process, this can actually turn the clock back for you, son. I didn't say this to cause you to stay 18 for a hundred years, but this will cause you, your youth to be renewed. You'll be reinvigorated. Instead of getting old before your time, you'll be, people look at you and go, what? You don't look uh, that old year you look younger and, and, and you look uh, younger now than you did two years ago. What, what's going on with you? 
the gospel. You tell people the gospel is making me young. You'll go, huh? Yes. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It can change your insides. It can change your organs and your glands and your immune system. Do you believe this? I'm not making this up. The scriptures say his words are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. His words, his words, his words. Look with me. You go to uh, Jeremiah. And I'm going to read to you from somewhere else. You go to Jeremiah 17 and then find also after that Luke, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 48. Jeremiah 17 and Isaiah 48. Put up on the screen for us 1 Corinthians 7.23. 1 Corinthians 7.23 on the screen. You're going where? Jeremiah 17 and Isaiah 48. Now, if you've not been with us, it would behoove you to get the previous messages. We've already covered a lot of ground. And there is deception and misconception about the church's role in the earth and job. And there has been an overemphasis of the importance of ministering to the poor. And there has been an underemphasis of the importance of the gospel. If you let unbelievers uh, influence you, they will shame you into not having anything and spending all your resources for the poor. Shame on you having a car that nice. You should give that to the poor. Shame on you having a building like that. Shame on you. They will try to shame you at what they're trying to shame you for, though many Christians have not realized it. They're trying to shame you for the gospel. Now there is covetousness, which is idolatry. We've already talked about that. But uh, if someone is poor and you're able to help them, it is a good thing that you were able to help them. It is a bad thing that they needed your help. People say, well, if it was God's will for everybody to prosper, then there wouldn't be any poor. Everybody would be prosperous. They'd say the same thing about, well, if it's God's will for everybody to be healed, everybody would be healed. There wouldn't be anybody sick. Well, back up another step. If it's God's will for everybody to be saved, everybody would be saved and nobody would be lost. No, we have to believe it. And we have to receive it. And because not all will believe it, there's always going to be lost people. There's always going to be people in sin. Let's just back up on this. Among Christians, is it God's will for any Christian to be in sin and live in sin? No. Are there any Christians sinning? Yeah. So would you say because they have sin in their life, that proves it's not God's will for all Christians to be sin free? No. Same thing is true about sickness. Are there Christians with sickness in their life? Sure, just like those Christians with sin in their life. But just because Christians have sickness in their life doesn't prove that it's God's will for some to have sickness in their life any more than for some to have sin in their life. 
And the same thing is true with poverty. Now there will always be people that have sin in their life and sickness in their life and poverty in their life. There will always be. Why? Not because it was ever the will of God for anybody, but because people have a free will. And some will not believe it. They will not receive it. They fight it. They mock it. They reject it. They just ignore it for whatever reason. But the smart ones, I hope I'm talking to some smart ones, and I think I am. The smart ones will say, he heals all my diseases. He forgives all my iniquities. And he helps me pay all my bills. Oh, good news. Good news. We're not done. Are you done? Hmm? You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. If somebody's in need, somebody's hurting, we've all come short and had needs. And I thank God there's been some situations where I was in dire straits and the Lord used somebody to help me. I thank God for that. It was a blessing. It was a good thing what they did for me. But it was a bad thing. I was in that shape and needed it. And what men who don't believe in God Keep talking about, well, the government needs to take care of all these folks. Well, the church needs to take care of all these folks. Well, if you're rich, it's your obligation and responsibility to take care of all these folks. Is it now? Said who? That is man looking to man. And the problem with that is you're in servitude. You're dependent. And if you're dependent, you have no dignity and you have no freedom. God never intended that any man or any woman be dependent on the government or on their their parents or on their friends or on the local church. The scripture said, you were there in uh, Psalm 103. Now I know I know you're holding two places. Can you can you turn to another one? You got all these fingers in there. You you're in the word in church. You're that's good. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. Psalm 37:23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. The Lord upholds him with his hand. I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed doing what? Begging bread. Not begging. We saw from uh, Psalm 113 that he lifts up the, the poor out of the dunghill. And 1 Samuel 2, where this is a quote from, it says he lifts up the beggar. God never intended that any man or woman be a beggar. The righteous, the redeemed, are not beggars. Say it out loud, I'm not a beggar. I'm a believer. I'm the redeemed. I don't have to beg any man for anything. Now friend, listen to me now. You ever get in a situation... Where you're looking at somebody. I don't care if it's a doctor. It's a lawyer. It's a banker. It's a preacher. I don't care who it is. And you feel like 
I've got to have their help. I'm not going to make it. And, and you get to the point where your voice is cracking and you're pleading with them. It's time for you to stand up and leave. Did you hear me? Because they are not your savior. They are not your deliverer. They're not your healer. Come on, are you listening to me? They are not your mediator. They are not your provider. You get up and you quit that. And you get your eyes off of them and get your eyes on the God with whom nothing is impossible. Come on, are you listening to me? And you get in faith like you know to do. I don't care who it is. I don't care what they've got or what they don't have or what they said they would do. Makes no difference. Well, they told me they'd do it. Now they're backing out. That's between them and God. Well, if they don't do it, then I won't have it. If you say so. Well, I don't know of any other way. Oh, yes, you do. You know somebody else. I said, you know somebody else. I know a minister friend of mine. Uh, he was preaching a series in his church. And he had a, a man who was just one of the strongest men and families in his church. And his kids and his grandkids and their families were all in the church. And he was by far the biggest giver. He was very wealthy. And he told him he wanted to see him. And, and so he spoke to him and he said, uh, I can't go along with this series that you're, you're preaching. He said, if you continue to preach that, I'm leaving, I'm pulling my families out. And of course, his, his giving. And uh, he said, well, brother, you, I love you and you've been such a blessing to this church and to me, but you know, you can't tell me what to preach. It wasn't not to preach. I, I didn't just decide to do this off the top of my head. I believe the Lord's leading me to do this. And so without saying it, you know, if he listens to him and the Lord really told him to do it, what's he doing? He's ignoring the Lord. And so the man said, well, okay, I'm leaving. So he, he's walking out the door and he's going across the parking lot. And the pastor looked out the window and he said, Lord, there goes the biggest giver in my church. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, no. Nope. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. And he said it wasn't but just a few months. He had three just as strong as that guy was in his church. It's sad if somebody gets, you know, to thinking that things can't make it without their money or without their stuff. No, thank God you don't have to beg anybody. Plead with anybody. Say it out loud, the Lord's my Redeemer. I don't have to beg. In Jeremiah, you holding your place there? Jeremiah, what did we say, 17? Verse 5. 17, 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed be the man that does what? Trusts in man. And makes flesh his arm. Now arm is what you lean on when you need something. You hold to you, you, you feel weak, you're in need, you reach up, grab somebody's arm to help, help you to hope. When you need something, when you feel weak, don't reach to the side. Reach up. <laughs> don't reach beside you. Don't reach for your brother's arm, your sister's arm. Your husband's arm, your wife's arm, your daddy's arm, your mama's arm, your pastor's arm. 
Got a lot of folk looking at me like, well, I like to go and cry. Sometimes the Lord will use people to comfort us and minister to us. It's really him doing it through them. But don't you reach and grab for them. Come on, are you listening? Don't you reach for that. Because there's a curse that comes when flesh is your arm and your heart departs from the Lord. Notice what will happen. Verse 6. He will be like the heath in the desert. He will not even see when good comes, but will inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabit it. That is bleak. That is dry. That is desolate. That is barren. That is poverty. Trusting people will break you poor. Waiting on people to take pity on you, waiting on people to remember you, waiting on government, waiting on the company, waiting on family, you will wind up in a bleak, barren, desolate place, broken, bitter, and it's because you reached for flesh. Poverty. Religious tradition will make you a beggar. Begging God, begging preachers, begging the bank, begging this one, begging that one. Believe in the gospel. Believe in you've been redeemed. Believe in you're a child of God. Will cause you to stop begging and stand up on your feet and start believing. Somebody say thank you, Lord. Read verse 7. Look at verse 7. Here's the part I like. I don't want to be in the cursed camp. Blessed is the man that does what? He doesn't trust in the arm of flesh. He's not looking to man to get him out of this. He's trusting in the Lord. And in whose hope the Lord is his expectation. Who are you expecting to help you out? The Lord. Now he may use people. He uses people all the time. But who he uses, where, when, and how is his business. Not mine. I'm never to get my eyes on anybody. They're not my source. Verse 8. What about this man that trusts in the Lord? He'll be like a tree planted by the waters, spreads out of roots by the river, shall not see when heat comes. I don't care how dry and how it hasn't rained. When your roots are tapped into the river, it doesn't matter. You are soaking up. The H2O. You're not dependent on somebody's irrigation. Or somebody spraying you with their little spray bottle. You got roots in the river. Come on, can you see it? You won't even. Now see, the other guy won't even see when good comes. The blessed man won't even see when the heat comes. They'll say, man, ain't this drought bad? And you'll go, what drought? We don't have any drought over here. <laughs> Her leaf will be green. She'll not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Does that sound like prosperity to you? Go with me to, uh, you got your place there in Isaiah, don't you? Isaiah 48, verse 17. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. The Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God. Which does what? Teaches you. 
to profit, which leads you by the way that you should go. What's good news to a poor man, to a poor woman? What did the Lord say to him? I am the Lord your God. I am your Redeemer. And now I'm going to help you. I'm going to get you up off this garbage pile. I'm going to teach you how to profit. I'm going to teach you how to prosper. You listen to me and I'm taking you places. Isn't that the best news a broke man ever heard? He said, I'm your Redeemer. I'm the Lord that your God that shows you how to get out of this. Get out of all this brokenness and debt and teaches you how to profit. You're not supposed to be going in the hole every day. Supposed to be making a profit. Increasing. Eighteen. Oh, that you had hearkened to my commandments, that you would listen to me. Then had your peace been as a river and your righteousness as the waves of the sea. Now that same word peace, same word, is translated prosperity numerous places throughout the Old Testament. The Amplified brings it out. Listen to it. Amplified verse 18. Then your peace and prosperity should have been like a flowing river. The New Century Version says, good things would have flowed to you like the waves of the sea. Today's English Version says, if you only listened to my commandments, I mean, even though you've been redeemed, you still got to listen. Do what he tells you to do. If you'd listened, then blessings would have flowed for you like a stream that never goes dry. Thank you, Lord. Listen to the NET, the New English Translation. Says, this is what the Lord your protector says, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you how to succeed. Will God teach you how to succeed? How to prosper? How to increase? Somebody said out loud, He's teaching me how to succeed. You ever find a verse that said He'll teach you how to fail? No, uh uh-uh. uh. That's the devil show you how to do that. The devil and religious people. Oh, brother, God may be getting glory in this failure. We just never know. Baloney. A curse is a curse. Failure is failure. God is not the author of failure. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. If you listen to him, he will show you how to succeed. I'm the Lord your God who teaches you how to succeed, teaches you how to profit, how to prosper, who leads you in the way you should go. Say it out loud. He's teaching me how to prosper, how to succeed, how to profit. He's leading me in the way I should go. Verse 18, it goes on to say, if only you had obeyed my commands prosperity would have flowed to you like a river. Deliverance would have come to you like the waves of the sea. You ever been to the ocean? You ever seen the waves coming in? Huh? That's prosperity. You ever seen a river? Flowing and gushing down? That's prosperity coming to you. And deliverance flowing over you. All you got to do is receive him as your redeemer and listen and do what he tells you to do. It's doable. You can do it. Deuteronomy 8.18. You don't have to turn there, but they'll put it up on the screen for us. Deuteronomy 8.18. He said this. You shall remember the Lord your God. It is he that gives you power 
to get wealth. Why? That he may establish his covenant. You've been redeemed. You have a covenant with God. And he establishes. This is part of him establishing his covenant. Because this is part of redemption. Part of the gospel. Is that not only did he pay for your sins. Him who knew no sin. Was made to be sin. Right? For us. Not for him. For us. So that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains by his stripes. We're healed. And do you know the same Bible said. Though he was so rich. Yet for your sakes he became poor. So that you through that poverty might be rich. Rich. It's a Bible word. Get used to it. Rich. 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 Somebody say rich. 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 I know some folks don't like it, but why would you be opposed to rich? It's like, why would you be opposed to healing? Why would you be opposed to forgiveness? This doesn't make sense. Go to Galatians 4. Galatians 4. Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. Aren't you glad you can say that? I know my Redeemer lives. I've been bought. I've been bought back. I've been ransomed. And I've been released. Released from what? Servitude. Servitude to sin. Servitude to sickness. Servitude to mental oppression and anguish. Servitude to poverty and lack. All of these are bondage. Sin is bondage. People talk about, you know, oh, I'm free to do anything I want to. Of whatever a man is overcome to the, the same, he's brought into bondage. No, you're not free to sin. You're in bondage to sin. And it's like people say, oh, I can quit this anytime I want to. Show us. And you'll find out what a grip it has on you. No, it's not freedom. It's bondage. And you can be free. Getting drunk as much as you want to is not being free. People act like, well, I'm just having a good time, you know. No, there's so, there's gnawing craving in you. And you don't want it. And you keep going back to it. That ain't freedom. I'm free to do all the drugs I want to. That ain't free. I'm free to have all the uh, illicit sex and, and, and have relations with everybody and, and party. That ain't freedom. None of these folk love you and you don't love them and you got nothing and you go home alone and you're empty and then you're pushed and pressed by this lust. You can't look at anybody and just see them as a human being. Bondage. I said it's bondage. That ain't freedom. Sin is not freedom. Sickness is bondage. You get enough sickness in your life, you can't even get out of the bed. That's just like being chained to your house. I mean, you talk about bondage. You don't have enough, if you don't have enough energy, you don't have enough strength and able-bodied to go and work for the Lord and do what you need to do, it's bondage. And poverty is the same thing. You can be saved and full of the word and full of faith and able-bodied, but if you had not got enough money to get out of the front yard. You know what I'm talking about? You can't do anything, can't go anywhere, can't accomplish anything. 
It's bondage. Have anybody ever felt the bondage of poverty and lack? I have and I despise it. It's not God. It's not right. Oh, but friends, you have been redeemed. You have been ransomed and released. Galatians 4. It's good news. Good news makes you happy. Galatians 4 and 4. He says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. For what? To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Keep reading. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Daddy, Father. Verse 7, Wherefore you are no more a servant, but you are a son. Somebody say, I'm not a servant. I'm a son. And if you are a son, you are an heir of God. What does it mean, heir? What if you're an heir of a billionaire? then you should have no trouble paying your electric bill. We're not an heir of a billionaire. We're not an heir of a trillionaire. We are an heir of God. In the fifth chapter and the first verse in the NIV, Galatians 5 and 1, NIV. It is for freedom. See, this is just a... Flowing in the same vein that we were reading. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why did he set you free? So you could be free. So stand firm then in this freedom and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You've been redeemed by the blood. He said, don't be the servants of men. Religious tradition. People who don't believe in God. They're always emphasizing, we need a new program it's to, to take care of the poor. It's the church's job to take care of the poor. It's rich people's job. They owe it. No, they don't. That's acting like there's no God. It's a wonderful thing for somebody that has extra resources to do good things for people in need. But it, the, the biggest thing they need is not the help. Luke 4.18 Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to take care of the poor. He's anointed me to give to the poor, to relieve the poor. Did Jesus give everything he had materially in his life and ministry to the poor? No, he did not. No, he didn't. In fact, he was criticized by some for not doing more for the poor. Wasn't he? We studied it recently. He did do things for the poor. Talking about Jesus with his material things. And it's a wonderful thing for us. But the biggest thing the poor need is not help. 
thank God. If you're hungry and you get something to eat, that's a good thing. You need clothes, you got clothes, got a place to stay. It is, though, a temporary fix. It's a temporary fix. There will never be a government program that can take care of all the poor. There will never be enough of local church ability to take care of the poor. God never intended for it to be that way. What did he do first and foremost for the poor? Come on, read the scripture. Read the scripture. What did he do? He must have known what was the biggest thing the poor needed. Was what? The gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. It's the good news that God will get you up off of that garbage pile. He will teach you how to succeed. He will teach you how to prosper. He'll put seed in your hand. He'll show you where to sow it. He'll get you a job. Come on, are you listening? He will get you up out of there. And if you needed help and you got help, thank God. But don't sit down and say, help me the rest of my life. No, 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 no. You got the same source we got. Come on, believe him. Let him lift you up. Let him take you up. And how many believe that in a short amount of time when you were like this, now you can come up and you can be the one ministering to the man or the woman that's down. And you tell them the same thing. Now I'm helping you today, but I'm not your source. I can never be. But listen to this good message. Let me tell you what God has done for you. Second Corinthians, in closing, I think. Ninth chapter. Isn't it wonderful to know we don't have to beg? Not too long back, a few years, I met with a young man at a restaurant and talking to him about some things. And he told me, looked at me across the, the table and said, I know I'm called. I know I'm, I know I'm supposed to preach. But I grew up around preachers and saw these kind of things and how broke they were and always asking for money and I just ain't going to live like that. And I guess to this day he's he's not in the ministry. He better get with it. He's not a young man anymore. I'm, he thought I'd rather disobey God than be a beggar. Not knowing it's a lie. You don't have to beg. You can believe. I'm a preacher. And if you've been around here, you know I don't beg. (laughs) And I don't have to. It ain't a matter of pride. It's a matter if God is everything we say he is and preach he is. Why do we need to beg? If you are not just a servant, but a son of the most high God and heir of God. We ought to be able to pay our bills without begging or asking anybody. And old friend, when that really gets in you, it sets you free. It restores to people that have grown up in the gutter. It gives them back dignity. Come on, are you listening to me? It gives them dignity and helps them realize their value. And they don't have to be dependent on any government, any program, any rich man, any church, any pastor. You can have your own source. Same source. And in this passage in 2 Corinthians 9.8. It says God is able to make all grace abound towards you. 
Let's look at this in the Amplified. He's able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance. Why? For what purpose? That he may establish his covenant. That you may experience the full benefits of redemption and ransom and release. And here it says it like this. That you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need. How many think this would cover every situation? Always, under all circumstances, whatever the need. Oh, read these next words. Be what? Self-sufficient. Possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. You're not independent of God. You're totally dependent upon Him. But that makes you independent as far as other people are concerned. You're not dependent. And so you don't have to push people too hard to sell them stuff. And you don't have to compromise or lie or or, or beg the banker or beg this one or beg your supervisor to give you a raise. You don't have to stoop to that. You don't have to diminish yourself to that. Why? Because they're not your source. Never were, never will be. They give you your little raise. It ain't going to be enough to do everything you need to do. If they buy that, you have that sale. That's not going to be enough. You get your eyes off of them. I said you get your eyes off of them. You get your eyes on your God. You say, Lord, you are my source. You have redeemed me. And you are teaching me how to profit. And you are showing me how to prosper. And you are giving me power to get wealth. You're lifting me up. You're showing me how to go and the way to go. And go ahead and say this out loud. Put that scripture back up in the Amplified. Say it out loud. I will. I will. Always. always. And under all circumstances. And and whatever the need. need, I will be self-sufficient. I will possess enough. To require no aid. No support. And I'll be furnished in abundance for every good work. Glory to God. Glory to God. God wants to make every sinner an evangelist. He wants to make every sick person a healing minister. He wants to make every poor person a supporter of the gospel and every good work. Can you see this? And would that not give God glory? That you were in the ditch. You owed everybody everything. And in a short amount of time they come back. You're looking good. Your youth is renewed. You're dressed good. Living good. Riding good. Giving big offerings. Helping people right and left. Huh? Get natural things and get the gospel. Doesn't that give God more glory than you having a sad sack sorry life? You were diseased. You were weak, could hardly leave the house. They come back and see you later. Your cheeks are rosy. Your eyes are bright. And you tell them that you prayed for three people last week and they got healed too. You were the scourge of the community. Lying, stealing rascal. But they come back and find out that you are one of the strongest people in the church now. And you just got five people saved last week. Doesn't this give glory to God? Why? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Stand up on your feet and say so.
Thank you, Lord. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.